0: Don't look back with Kaz Tran.
1: After almost three decades, the ABC's flagship current affairs show, Late Line, will be shutting up shop. The show's host, Emma Alberici, is all about poise and purpose with a searing eye for details. She has a business, economics, and of course political background, but music has also been an important part of her life. And she joins us on Don't Look Back this podcast about one song that changed everything, to talk about a song that over time has revealed new layers of meaning. I had been listening to the song for several
0: years because I was a big Sting and Police fan and I had never thought deeply about the lyrics and I didn't read too deeply into um, the broader meaning of, you know, a moment and a place that brings you such peace, which I think is what Sting was trying to kind of parlay. And I just think it's a beautiful,
1: beautiful song. So, as I said, Emma Alborici is a big music fan. So big, in fact, that she had to initiate an enterprising little scheme so that she could maximise her exposure to it.
0: I grew up um, in the 80s and 90s and... In the late '80s, when I was at university, I worked in nightclubs, and I worked in nightclubs because, uh, what's the saying, uh, that um, invention is the um, what's uh,
1: necessity is the a necessity. Of
0: invention. Correct. Mm. So it was necessary for me to be able to stay out late with my friends dancing. But I came from an Italian. A fairly strict Italian upbringing where, you know, curfew was fairly early, like 11 or 12, which was pretty much the time my friends were going out. So I had to come up with a fairly clever um, substitute. Uh, that would somehow see me able to do this and also satisfy my parents' requirements. So I thought if I work in nightclubs, then I have a reason to be out all night. So I would finish work at like, you know, one and then get home at six because (laughs) I'm working mum and dad. I'm not out at the other clubs dancing. So... That's, you know, my misspent youth was in nightclubs dancing and working just a little bit. So I grew up with Madonna, and you can dance. Prince, mm. and uh, George Michael. But mostly with some of the rappers, you know, like MC Hammer, You Can't Touch This. CNC oh, wow. Music Factory, things that make you go, mm.
1: I was in the crib. By the fireplace You can call, call On the best game Buster move I love them all Yeah, I can see why You know, one o'clock Turned into six o'clock Very quickly mm. for you mm-hmm. um, So what kind of club Was it, Emma? <laughs> like, I, I, I need to get the The, the lay So, the
0: lay. yeah, no I grew up in Melbourne So... And back in the day, Sydney was considered to be sort of the the pub culture and Melbourne was very much the dance culture. I think that's a fair assessment. And uh, I worked at the Warehouse. I don't know if it still exists, actually, in... um, In uh, South Yarra, and uh, I was uh, behind the bar, and I started out as a bus girl, you know, picking up the glasses and all that sort of stuff, and then I eventually graduated to being behind the bar. And I knew all the DJs around town at all the clubs, especially the one I worked at, of course. So girlfriends and I, you know, they'd work at restaurants or whatever, so they really um, did kind of finish their, their their. uh, places of employment closed at sort of twelve or one, and so they'd come over to me, and then I'd sort of hand in my apron, and off we went. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can, I can see it. My gosh, the uh, uh, ingenuity, your entrepreneurial kind of mind, obviously yep. starting the started young. <laughs> Because, <laughs> I mean, you talked about your parents and having to justify staying out late. Your parents were very hardworking, blue-collar kind of. They mm. put instilled discipline into you, especially your father. Is that right?
0: Yeah. And, um, and Kaz, he was a um, fruiterer extraordinaire at the Victoria Markets. He had wow. – um, when he passed away – he had, uh, by that stage, seven or eight stores. He was the biggest holder at the Victoria market, selling fruit, just fruit. So he had every fruit you could possibly imagine. And... Um my sisters and I, the three of us, we uh, were roped into helping him out, um, especially on a Friday and Saturday, his sort of busy days. And I hated it. So mm. if I, I figured if I got my own, um, if I was resourceful enough to find my own job outside the market, then he wouldn't press me to work with him. So that was another reason why but it ticks so many
1: boxes. you heard, there's no shortage of fabulous 80s and 90s pop and dance tunes littered throughout Emma night nightclubbing pre-hardcore journalism days. But the song and the artist that she holds closest is an entirely different affair.
0: Well, I think I'm about to change the mood. <laughs> um, but the artist, I think, who has sort of been with me for for the longest and has, uh, I think his music never goes out of style, is Sting. I liked that he had something to say. That's my other, yeah. Uh, in you know, that's my other kind of um, uh, feeling about music. Uh, sort of looking back at some of the songs I enjoyed, okay, some of those rap songs, um bust a move and so on, Uh, you know, questionable lyrics perhaps. But they were stories and fun stories, interesting stories. Mm. They weren't just all about, oh, no, he's left me, I'm so blue, although there's plenty of those. And Sting was one of those people who could tell a really – textured story in his uh, music writing. And so, um, you know, just go back to when Police launched in the 70s with, I think it was Roxanne, wasn't it, It was Mm. their sort of big breakout song.
1: Roxanne, you don't have to put on the red light
0: Those days are over You don't have to show your body to the night Roxanne Um, and then every breath you take, and Englishman in New York. If you love somebody, set them free. You know that some some really big, you know, terrific kind of songs with fabulously uh, pensive lyrics. But the one song that stands out for me from Sting, for the reason I will explain, was Fields of Gold. So the reason this particular song resonates for me was that um, my dad passed away in 1991, which was a big year for me. It was the year I um, had my graduation ceremony um, at university. I got my first job at the Herald Sun newspaper in Melbourne. It was a really big year. Mm. And and we were very close. And... uh, I decided one of the things I wanted to do in the years after his death was to compile all his um, Hi8 videos because he was a very keen filmmaker. Mm. Um, You know, the home movie uh, uh, variety. And he had literally hundreds of these little tapes and bigger ones and the reel-to-reel ones as well because you know, it sort of spanned um, a generation of family filmmaking and and sort of told the story of the change in technology over the years. He'd be astonished to see that we take video with our telephones today. I often think about that because he um, sadly passed away before the internet which because um, mm. he was so curious and so technical. He would have loved all of that. Yeah. But anyway, mm. so... I, th- I thought I really want to do this, even though I don't know anything about it. So when I got into television, you know, sort of three years later, um, it was still in the back of my mind that I wanted to get all this video together and do something with it. So when I finally got to Channel Nine um, and was working at a current affair, I got um, the two uh, editors uh, there. This would have been ninety-seven or thereabouts to um, to show me how to edit. On, and this we were still editing on tape. Um, and so they, over the span of a couple of weeks, they taught me how to edit tape to tape oh. and they knew what I wanted to do. So then I enlisted the help of uh, a cameraman at work who came home and we projected the, the Hi8 onto a white screen and he filmed it onto Betacam for me, oh. tirelessly, all of it. And so weekend after weekend, he'd come over, he'd set it up, he'd leave for a little while, let me do it and, you know, come and take his camera. And so it took us a while, but we um, we put it all on beta cam. And then I spent hours upon hours in this edit suite after work every day Um putting the bits that I liked and the thing was that because he was behind the camera in not in front of it yeah. um you know 99% of the time it was Im- almost impossible to find vision of him mm. which is what I wanted because I wanted to do this for a christmas present for my sisters and my mother and for, for his um for his seven brothers and sisters around the world mm. and so um so actually finding those little clips of him only cut up to about thirty five minutes oh. because all, all those hours and hours were of all of us and everybody else around the world and all his brothers and sisters and but not of him. Yeah sure. But there was some really fantastic stuff of him. And um, and I used Fields of Gold as the back track, at uh, the backing track. And and the reason why is because you, you might recall the opening line is, Oh no, I don't want to have a boo hoo now. Mm-hmm. Um You'll remember me uh, when the west wind blows upon the fields of Bali. And, and it was just this idea of remembering someone. And it's it's a love story, the song, but of course I was deeply in love with my dad and I just loved the tune and every time I hear it I think of the video and all those hours I spent in the edit suite with a tissue box and that song. And, uh, and so... When it comes on the radio, I just almost always um, have an emotional response to it. And he also, and and I remember I must have seen an interview with Sting or read a piece about this song, and he had said that he grew up alongside a barley field and loved watching from his window the wind sweeping over the barley which he had said looked like waves over an ocean of gold mm. and he found it very sensual and, um, and he had um, written the song I think for his wife Trudy Stylett uh, and that was that was the you know the first time he'd ever committed to someone in that sense i think i'm i'm fairly certain they're still together and yeah. and it was this big love story and that she to this day still says it was her favorite song and and it had so much lovely history and warmth to the song and the reasons behind it and it all came together for me and it still moves me very, very much when I hear it and, you know, mostly because it reminds me of those hours in that black edit suite on my own with the vision of my dad and oh. it's very special.
1: This song, Do you, when do you first remember hearing it though, Emma? I mean, and, and was it something you associated with family or with somebody close from then? Um, because, I mean, you say you remember it brings back memories of editing and sitting, you know, alone in those... Dark rooms, hours. What what, what, I think that I had been listening
0: to the song for several years because I was a big Sting and Police fan, um, and I had never thought deeply about the lyrics and thought it was about losing someone. And it is. It's about the love story and and what happens when one of the lovers goes you know, what, how are you going to feel about me? Are you going to remember this? And if you do, this is what I want you to remember about us. Mm. Um, I didn't see it um, originally like that. I just saw that opening line as being about loss. Mm. So I just associated it with loss and I didn't read too deeply into um, the broader meaning of of you know, a moment and a place that brings you such peace, which I think is what Sting was trying to kind of parlay Mm. in the words and and this song. And I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful
1: song. No, you're absolutely right. And and so I must ask you, Emma, what was the reaction from family members when, when you sat down, did you sit down together to watch, you know, what you'd made in the end? It was really interesting because when I gave it to
0: my sisters, they preferred to watch it alone. Mm. And so they all went off and watched it on their own. And I think because it was so moving and it was so, you know, this was by the time they got it, it was... Um, I would have been 97, so it was six years after he died by the time I finally finished it. And um, and so, yeah, I think it, it – um, I remember it. Um, you know, they, they cried when they opened the – because I put a nice picture of him on the front of the DVD case and, yeah. and um, they saw what it was and – And they had known earlier that I was going to do it, but then I hadn't talked about it for several years. So I think they just thought it was one of those projects (laughs) I was going to do, but never kind of ever got around to. to. finishing. And the funny thing was that um, there is a funny side to this. And that is that um, Channel 9 was really funny about using company resources to do private work. And so, as they should be. And uh, I was doing it in my own time, but of course I was using the company's resources. And so when we went to get the dubs done, I called it Casino Story, <laughs> Dub One. <laughs> <laughs> so at home recently I came across a DVD that said casino, casino Story, Dub One. I went, what's this? And then I went, oh, that's right. That's my dad's video. <laughs> <laughs> that was the code name
1: for my code covert, name. yes, editing <laughs> effort. <laughs> to
0: contribute oh, tribute to your father. Oh my, my tribute, God. yeah. Which is funny because he was a mad gambler, so it's entirely appropriate. <laughs> no way! <laughs> yeah, That's not why I did it because at the time I was covering a bit of a casino a Casino scandal. story. <laughs>
1: But um, yeah, and I was wondering about your mum as well. Did she ever? Was she able to watch it, or was it uh, she too? didn't watch it for a really long
0: time? Yeah, because I remember asking her several times,
1: "Have you seen it? Have you, what did you think?"
0: And she'd say, "I will, I will, I will." You know, they all did, and they loved it. Yeah, they appreciated it.
1: Emma Alborici, on the song that will forever connect her to her dad. For more stories from your past, present and future, head to doublej.net.au. For more songs that changed it all, subscribe now to Double J's Don't Look Back podcast.